uh, read Ecclesiastes 9 together and then we'll pray and then get into it. This is a big text. We've got Ecclesiastes 9, 13, all the way through the end of 20. And so it is on the screen there. And so you can follow along on the screen as I read. Well, it says this, I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might through the poor man's wisdom is and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumers and ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Seen under the sun, as it were, an heir proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He will dig pits, a, a pit will fall. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, he and who can tell him what will be after him. The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land! In other words, behold, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens the life and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice or some winged creature tell the matter. This is the word of God. All right, well, let's pray and then we'll jump in. <clears throat> uh, Jesus, uh, this is a big passage. Uh, there's a lot here and I, I pray, Lord, that you'll use this uh, word uh, of yours uh, to speak to your church. Uh, this is your church and we pray and we thank you for it and we pray, Lord, that uh, you'll help me step aside and, and proclaim your gospel really clearly through this text in Ecclesiastes. I pray, Jesus, that uh, you'll use me despite me and that, uh, Lord, that you'll take what is heard today and uh, in, in this church and, and that we will apply it to our lives this week and uh, the rest of our lives until you return. And so I pray this in your name, Jesus. 
Amen. Well, like I said in my prayer, this is a massive text. There is a lot here. There, there is a ton. We could spend days and weeks on this text, but we've chosen, uh, and I'm not the only one that's chosen this, but a lot of people have chosen to break this section down like this uh, in a big chunk. And for a great reason, the more you read through it, the more you see kind of what is going on within this text. And so I want to give you a quick outline. You can see it on the screen there. It says, summary of wisdom. In ver- or then, which closes off chapter 9, and then result of evil, which we're going to kind of jump into the middle of chapter 10, and then we're going to hit the rest of cha- chapter 10 with uh, the third point there, wisdom is needed in all areas of life. Now, you have scripture references in, in each one of those points, but you need to understand and you need to know that every one of these points carries through the whole that we just read together. Everyone, there's, there's one thought throughout all of this, uh, of this passage, and, and I want to give it to you today. But this, this one thought, like I said at the beginning of Ecclesiastes when I started teaching this text, is this is wisdom literature. And wisdom literature is often unpacked by giving the main heading first and then unpacking it afterwards. So giving the big idea and then unpacking that. And that's what this is here. This is one of those times. So the big idea for this passage is wisdom helps in all of life, right? Wisdom helps in all of life, but it is something rarely sought or remembered because when sin is present, it destroys all. Wisdom helps in all areas of life, but it is something rarely sought or remembered because when, when sin is present, it destroys all. So let's look at that big idea through these three points. The first one, again, summary of wisdom, chapter 9, verse 13 through 18. It says this, I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. Seemed great to me. So Solomon, our preacher king, is going, this is great. I understand it. It clicks. And then he tells a story. And he says this, there was a little city with few men in it and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered the poor man. Now, I'm not sure if you caught that in the first time we read or in the second time I just read this, but there is some really confusing things in this section, in this story. And Solomon is going, I get it now. This is great to me. And you're going, what? Because the three things in this section are a great city comes up against a little tiny town. That's like Vancouver going up against Yarrow, right? And siege works, there's battle, there's the front of the army and one poor man that is wise with hardly any men in the city, but there's one poor wise man what? Poor, wise man? Does that even make sense? Wouldn't you be well off? And then the last one is right at the end where he goes, no one remembered this man. He just beat this army and no one remembers him. So we've got a massive city, a poor, wise man, and no one remembers him. What's going on here? What is going on? But this isn't the first time Solomon is telling this story and making these weird statements. Look back at verse 11 from last week. We, we read this. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift. The race is not to the swift. Does that mean like we can go up against Usain Bolt? 
right? And, you know, I'm going to claim victory. Probably not, right? Like we know when Usain Bolt lines up to the starting line, he's probably going to win because he is swift. But Solomon is going, no. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. See, Solomon is beginning to open our minds to a backwards kingdom that is going on here. One he has been observing and he wants to awaken us to it as well. See, he continues with four areas that flow through the rest of our text. In verse 16 to 18, he says this, but I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. In this short story, we see the big idea. Wisdom helps in all areas of life. But something, but is something rarely sought or remembered. Because when sin is present, it destroys all. See, in this text, in verse 16 to 18, we see four things. Wisdom is better than might in verse 16. We see wisdom is better than shouting among fools in verse 17. We see wisdom is better than weapons of war in verse 18. But in that same verse, in verse 18, we also see when sin is present, it destroys all. And very next verse, in chapter 10, verse 1, it says the same thing. It says, again, in 18, one sinner destroys much good, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A little folly outweighs it all. So this story seems to have solidified Solomon's understanding of wisdom because like that first verse we read in 9.13, it seemed great to me. This story solidified Solomon's understanding of wisdom. So let's, how do we learn from him? How do we get this? And, and how about us? Are we starting to get the picture here a little bit? A big city against a little city and the little city wins because of one poor man's wise words, but no one remembers him. What are we hearing here? What, when you think of wisdom, do you see like practically, do you see what the scriptures, all of the scriptures tell us? Like in Proverbs, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Like to fear God in all things, to trust him with your life now, to trust him with your life eternal. Do you do this, friends? Like this, when you prepare a sermon and read this thing over and over like 25 million times, not that many, but a lot, you have to carry this thing. And I'm carrying it because I'm going, do I see this wisdom? Do I live out this wisdom? Like, do I proclaim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior of my life? Yes. But is sin involved in my life? Does it create folly? Does it, can you still remember the Lord when you're in the midst of sin? See, do you do this in all aspects of your life? Do you trust the one you proclaim as Savior? We as Christians here believe Jesus with all of our heart, but we know as Solomon is proclaiming that when sin enters in, it destroys that wisdom. It brings doubts, but most often forgetfulness that God is present with us at all times. How it draws us away from fearing God, like sin draws us away and leads us towards pleasing and worshiping our self-kingdom. Like how else? scrolling through Instagram for hours. 
How else can you explain scrolling through Facebook for hours, not thinking of God once or playing video games for hours on end just with meaningless things? How else can you explain watching TV and movies, putting aside time with a community that wants to lift and encourage you up and build you up to talk of things that actually matter? See, sin of self disrupts wisdom. Have you ever experienced a time when you didn't want to go to church, but you ended up going? And when you went, you, you were shaking hands, you were greeting people, you were getting hugged, you were getting kissed. We'll get there. You know, greet each other with a holy kiss. We'll get there eventually, sure, sure church. All right. So it's like you're greeting each other, you're hanging out, you're, you're sharing some coffee, you're, you're having a good time of fellowship. And then you sing songs to Jesus and you hear his word preached and you're, you're challenged by that and you go, change and you, and you want to change. You want to move in a direction of holiness. And you go going, man, I, I'm so glad I went. Or maybe you're hanging out with your brothers and sisters in Christ and, and just in the backyard or by the lake or whatever. And you're just, you're engaged in good conversation that actually matters. I've had many of those times and they're sweet and I'll never forget them. Because those moments are eternal. They're building into the wisdom that sin now can't even enter in. But when sin is there, it disrupts your understanding of who God is. See, folly is the type of sin on the side of the army that wants to kill and destroy. What, what side are we on? Are we on the poor, the meek, the one-man army that fears God? Or do you fight for things of this world like sex and drink and entertainment? That's really what social media is all about, right? It's these quick clips of entertainment to entertain you, to pull you away from actually doing something meaningful. See, friend, last, one lasts and one doesn't. One may be forgotten on this side of heaven, but one will be remembered on the other side of eternal veil. See, we are called to choose wisely in this time. Maybe you have been in a season of forgetfulness, Maybe for the very first time, this type of wisdom is actually making sense that when sin enters in, when I'm scrolling on something, when I'm distract, being distracted by other things of this world rather than the Lord, yeah, I do doubt. I don't value the Lord. And you're starting to be awakened by it. The second point there is result of evil. Skipping down to verse 5 of chapter 10 there, we're going to read to 7. It says, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Like this is an error. I don't, Solomon's like, I don't get this. Folly is set in many high places and the rich set in a low place. I have, also, I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. This is the upside down kingdom. This is a kingdom likened to what we read at the end of the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, where it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It was an upside down kingdom. Everyone had forgotten God. Sin had entered in. Folly has confused things. And we see that again in Romans chapter one, verses 21 to 23, where it says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him. Do we know God, friends? This should be a punch right in the gut, right? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. We have to see ourselves in this text. See, this foolishness leads them to false worship of other gods, animals and themselves. impurity, which we see today, men with men, women with women. It's an upside down kingdom. See, verse 29 to 32 reads this way. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. The result of evil is devastating, devastating to others and also devastating to ourselves. It brings destruction and fills you with foolishness. I witnessed to a man this week, I'm I'm putting a challenge out. We'll get here in in the fall, discipleship. It's going to, I want to continue to challenge us because my call is to disciple you and your call is to disciple others. And so part of this, sharing your faith, evangelism. If I'm going to tell you to, I better evangelize. So I've been evangelizing to people and Jody, if you talk to Jody, she actually goes, well, Jerry, you really love that stuff. So that's easy for you, but I I want to make it easy for all, all of us. So at Starbucks this week, I walk by and there's this man sitting there and he's uh, pretty good in good shape. So I I start talking to him. He ended up being 76 years old. And I'm going, man, 76, you look really great. And he starts giving me his regime. See, this regime of this man, his his whole persona, his whole identity, his whole value is... He is spending five days out of the seven in a week running 10K every single day of those five. He runs 50 kilometers every week. I'm like, this is amazing. I can't even bike 10K. Like you are incredible and you're 76. And I go, explain this to me. And he goes, well, I, I want to, uh, you know, like I know my 70s are hard and, I, and one day my 80s are going to be harder and my 90s are going to be even harder. And that's my end. And I go, have you thought about after 90? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, we know all of us are on the road to death. Do we not? Have you thought about after this? Because it seems like you're doing a lot of effort thinking about these next 14 years, but have you thought about the next? Ian starts wrapping his stuff up and he goes, you must be a preacher. (laughs) And he goes, you know what? I don't think about that. And I go, what? You dedicate every single week for the next 14 years, but you don't think about the 15th or the 16th or the next billion? Foolishness. Foolishness. Knowing that all die, but not seeking out the God of creation for answers of what is to come, it is a sad suppression of the truth. It's foolishness. See, what does this mean for us in light of the big idea? The big idea of wisdom is good and beneficial in all areas of life, but something rarely sought or remembered because when sin enters in, it destroys all. So what does the Bible say? 
Well, Micah, I think, the prophet Micah, verse, uh, or chapter 6, verse 8, does a good summary on, of way of life, and it says to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. And don't miss that last phrase. Do justice. There's a lot of social justice going out there right now. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God, with Christ. This is who we are to walk with as we do justice, as we walk humbly, as we love one another. Point number three, wisdom is needed in all areas of life. There's four sections here, wisdom in action, wisdom in work, wisdom in speech, and wisdom in leadership. And you can, I want to I give you the opportunity to read through this further. I'm not going to read the text anymore because it is a lot of text. But please, I want to encourage you to do your due diligence and to study these texts, these, these sections. They're actually chunked out for you in your Bibles. So verses 1 through 4, the theme is wisdom in action. Wisdom in action. So let's look at the fool's action first. The fool's action gives off a stench. It gives off a stench. Right? Like the fly in the perfume, folly makes everything stink. One author explained folly with three points. Folly is impulsive disobedience, impulsive disobedience, self-centered arrogance, and a rash disregard for the holiness of God. Let me say those again. This is folly. Impulsive disobedience, self-centered arrogance, and rash disregard, disregard for the holiness of God. And again, friends... We have to see ourselves in this. Like when we are tempted to get away from the Lord and start being entertained by the things of the world, are we being impulsively disobedient? Are we being self-centered and arrogant, serving my kingdom over God's? And are we being disregarding to the holiness of God? And just a little of this, just a little of this folly outweighs wisdom and honor. See, the fool leans to the left, the left side being the side of rebellion or evil, the side of weakness. But the fool doesn't just lean to the left. The fool goes so far left that he makes sure everyone knows who he is by proclaiming his foolishness. We see this in verse 3. It says, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense and he says to everyone that he is a fool. Right? Or in verse 15, the fool cannot even find the city. It says, the fool wearies him for he does not know the way, of the way to the city. Right? Like, think about that. Like, I can't even find the city. Well, I can see the high rise, but I can't get there. I don't know how to get there. It's, it's foolishness. Of course you can find the city. But Solomon is extending this going, this is crazy. See, the, the actions of the wise, though, are calm and controlled, thought through, and I'd add, given to the Lord. In verse 4, you see it. Circle it, underline it, put a big bracket around it. It says it this way, calmness will lay great offenses to rest. So what's the application for us? Wisdom in action, this section. Wisdom in action. What can we apply to our lives as we walk out the door? Well, we can remain calm in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of anger, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain. Why? Because God is in control. He has everything. Like last week we talked about everything sifts through the hand of God. It's his. 
You see, anger breeds anger, but a calm voice turns away wrath. It says that in Proverbs 15.1. Or in Psalm 131, verse 2, we see the calmest place this side of heaven, a weaned child with its mother. This is where we ought to rest, church, leaning not on our own understanding, but on the very will of God. This is the time more than ever to lean in towards the right hand of God for protection, for security, and for salvation. So how will you act this week? Like we have to start living out the scripture. That's what we're called to as Christians, to actually read it, believe it, and live it out. So will you lean to the left along with the fool or to the right trusting God's eternal plan? Trusting God today, not worrying about tomorrow, which essentially is taking your eyes off of Christ. So worrying about tomorrow, you're actually being tricked and fooled into the left side to folly. It's taking away your eyes off of Christ and thinking in some weird way you have tomorrow nailed down. But rather focus on Christ throughout our day in all areas of life today. Not worrying about tomorrow, not planning out the next 14 years, but worrying about today. Do, do I love and care for Jesus in all that I value, in all that I do, in all my actions and in my words? And that's what we have next in our work, sorry, in verse 8 to, through 11. The theme here is wisdom in your work. The main kicker, the main point, we'll get to it is in verse 10. But here, let's start here. So not only are we to act with wisdom, but physically work with wisdom within our daily jobs. Digging a pit, breaking through a wall. For many of us, this may be foreign because we have desk jobs, uh, right? But when digging a pit to trap an animal, it would be wise to mark where you dug lest you fall in, Right? So if you're digging a pit, you want to mark where that pit is so you know where to go back to or actually don't back up into it. We see that on cartoons all the time when we watch those with our kids. But when breaking through a wall, you may not find a snake, but you might hit a water line. I'm not sure if anyone's done that, but I have. It's a little bit scary when you're getting sprayed with water after drilling a hole through through a wall. But the lesson here for the fool is that judgment will return upon you. That's the lesson. In your actions, in your work, judgment will return upon you. So we need to work with wisdom. Sin always reveals itself, just like foolish actions at work will be found out. The wise action is found in verse 10, saying wisdom helps one to succeed. See some practical things for us this week then. Some practical things that we can work on is be kind. Be trustworthy, be faithful, be diligent. Say what you mean and do what you say. Church, we ought to be the best employees that our bosses have ever seen. If we're a boss, we, we ought to be the best boss our employees have ever worked for. Kind, caring, loving, patient with one another. See, to work with wisdom, fearing the Lord and seeking to please him. In 2 Timothy 2, 22 to 25, it says this. It says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And we do this at work. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents and with gentleness. Wisdom at work. 
So wisdom in our actions, wisdom at work, and now thirdly in verse 12 through 15, the theme here is wisdom in speech. In verse 12, we see the main takeaway, the words of a wise man's mouth win him favor. Win him favor. One author put the use of words this way, how we use our words is the acid test of wisdom. Is the acid test of wisdom. But the words of the fool are threefold, self-destructive, evil, and presumptuous. This is the words of the fool, self-destructive. We see in verse 19 to 20, when it comes to gossip, they may be heard by others and you may be destroyed by your own actions of gossip. Evil in verse 13, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness and the end of his talk is evil madness. And presumptuous in verse 14, you can see it in there, presumptuous is thinking that you know what tomorrow is going to have. You know what tomorrow is going to bring. You're presuming on something that you have no control over. See, again, the big idea is wisdom helps in all areas of life, but it is something rarely sought or remembered because when sin is present, it destroys all. Sin makes you a fool. Proverbs 18, 6 through 7 says, A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. See, our application is clear. At least it ought to be when it comes to wisdom and words. We don't truly know the depths of what we say to one another. Because everybody comes with a story. Right? Every one of us. I was contemplating this too. We were visiting Jeanette um, in her home, battling with uh, some things with her knee. And, and uh, she brought up something and, and it sparked a, a memory. And, and I was in the midst of talking and writing this out in the sense of wisdom with our words. And, and I remember counseling this girl that came out of, of a severe abuse. And the word family was a trigger word for her. And I'm using it all the time because church is the family. It's the family of God. It's, it's the bride of Christ. And this was devastating for her. And so we had to work through that word and redeem that word family and maybe there's some words that some of us have that, that bring up and spark up like really deep pains and we just don't know. So we need to be wise with our words. Not only with one another, that's why it's so important to know one another's stories. And we're going to do that through our community groups. It's to get to know one another's stories deeply so that we can care for one another deeply with our words. But we're also going to know one another when it comes to words so we can lift one another up because that is exactly what the church is called to. Lift each other up with the gifts that you, God has given you and the talents God has given to build the church up. And that's what we want to do here as well. So this is our application. This is our call church. And finally in 16 to 20, the theme is wisdom and leadership. Wisdom and leadership. And you see right there, like if you, if you just read through the first couple of lines, you'll see a king that's partying in the morning. He's a young kid. He's a king. So there's already, there's something awry here that he, he's not able to make good decisions and he's partying early on in the day, right? See, so when your leader is partying in the morning, lazy or avoiding neglecting important matters, you are being led by a fool. But we cannot just sit idly by because this passage is for all of us. It's for all of us. Each one of us is called to task when it comes to wisdom in our leadership because we all lead somewhere. So like the opening story in our text, when confronting with an, when, when confronting, Jesus famously in Matthew 5 gives us a great layout 
in the most famous sermon that he ever preached, he says, it is the poor in spirit, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemaker who shall inherit heaven, who shall win the war. Not the strong, not the fast, but the wise in Christ. See, the big idea again is wisdom helps in all areas of life, but it's something rarely sought or remembered because when sin enters in, it destroys all. So Satan has, now think through this, Satan has and is doing his best to confuse and destroy to take the focus off of God. Now this is the kicker. I want to make sure that you get this. All right? So we've got wisdom is being taken away by sin. Satan is doing his very best to enter sin into your life to cause you to ignore the wisdom, which is the fear of God. Okay, wisdom is meant to draw us to the Lord. That's what wisdom is meant to, is draw us to the Lord, to literally bring us back to the feet and throne of Christ. And Satan brought sin in to snuff out wisdom, to draw us away from Christ. So according to the big idea of our passage this morning, wisdom is being snuffed out by sin. But as we know, God is in the redeeming business and his eternal plan is that he would redeem his creation back to what he, how he originally created it to be. Sin is causing confusion and snuffing out wisdom. But friends, we live on the right side of the cross of Jesus, our Savior. You see, sin is exactly what Jesus came for. Sin is what Jesus came for. He came to pay for it in full on the cross, to, to die for it, to defeat it, to defeat sin and death, th- that we might have wisdom in him, that we might have life eternal in him. See, like the story we started with, or Solomon started with back in the end of chapter nine, it was one man in the city that defeated a great army, but no one remembered him. See, the Bible is telling a similar story the one overarching story of the Bible is that there's one God-man. We are called to remember him, to remember what he has done, to put our faith and our trust and confess him as our Lord and Savior. And he is our salvation. He is wisdom. He is love. And his name is Jesus. We are called to follow him. So may we, all of us, confess our sin before the Lord today and begin to live out our faith. Not to be confused any longer, but to live out our faith for him. That we might live and act in wisdom in the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you because you are our savior. You are our redeemer. You are our hope. You are everything. One man, God, that defeats the enemy with your wisdom. May we remember you in what you have done on the cross 2,000 years ago to take away the sin, the penalty of sin that we deserve to pay. Help us that regularly. Help us drop to our knees 
and ask for forgiveness for the things that we've been caught in this week, that we might be able to go out now and live faithfully for your namesake. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for this action. Thank you for your church. Bless us, Lord, as we go on today and worship you. In Jesus we pray, amen.